very warm welcome to the Mind Podcast, Mental Health in a New Direction. And tonight I am joined by Kahar Clancy from Sonus Mental Wellness. How are you keeping, Kahar? I'm doing good, Don. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. I'm doing good, yes. It's it's the weekend. Um, and I want to touch on something a little bit later in the podcast in regards to the weekend and that term we use. But um, firstly, introduce yourself, Kahar, to the listeners and also what you're doing at the minute. Yes, uh, my name is Kahar Clancy. Um, 28 from County Armagh. Um, I sound like I'm on blind date here, Don. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am I'm a mental health coach, so uh, that's my uh, way of packaging together cognitive behavioral therapy and stress management in a, a palatable format for clients. Um, so yeah, I am. Um, I recently set up my practice, um, Sonus Mental Wellness, which. Uh, it just started in January there. So we've been, it's all driven really by my experiences, my experiences in the past, as well as a uh, going on a really, well, I suppose everyone's journey is interesting to themselves, but for me, it's been a journey with lots of ups and downs and in-betweens. Yeah. Um, and it has led me, you know, to a place where I feel very much in the same way as like how we connected like we're very much we're very passionate about mental health and yep. uh, hence us sitting here tonight that's it so yeah. just to give everyone a little bit of context um i had i had seen sonus on a networking whatsapp group set up by your girlfriend d mm-hmm. and um I had sort of says that that looks great. It sort of ticks all the boxes for some of the stuff that I'm doing and some of the stuff that I'm interested in talking about. So I'd sort of been following you for a couple of weeks once I had sort of seen you and you came on my radar and it was probably something similar to you. You noticed a couple of things that I was doing and you reached out and I was very grateful that you reached out because I was going to do the same anyway. And we had a really good conversation um, the other week. And from that spawned, you know, this and this chat in particular, but also a number of other things that we have in the pipeline, hopefully moving forward, which is great. But tell me a little bit about the start of Sonus. And obviously you said it started in January. So we're in a lockdown situation. What spurred it on? What was the sort of motivator behind just you going, do you know what? I'm going to go for it. So I, taking it right back, you know, I suffered from poor mental health, you know, right throughout my teenage years and my early 20s. So that would have been a, it was really driven by the fact I was sick when I was quite, when I I was saying to you on Monday there, you know, I was sick when I was younger um, for a number of years um, and it led to PTSD, anxiety and depression um, and obsessive compulsive disorder as well. So, um, it really led me, it led me on quite a journey in that throughout my teenage years, I was walking around secondary school, secondary school. I can actually remember one time in particular, you know, a walking with my mates and just feeling like these guys all around me just seem so carefree and just so like able to just be in the present, be in the moment and you know, I maybe wasn't articulating my thoughts quite as clearly back then, but looking yeah. back now, I can remember just feeling like, 
I just feel it's not even that I felt different, but I felt that I couldn't behave in the same way as a lot of my friends were and that they were open and free and were experienced in life. So it really took me on a journey to studying eventually in university communication and psychology with the original intention, Darren, of learning communication skills so that I would be able to speak confidently. That was literally it. You know, uh, in university, like when it came to university, they said, you know, go and do something that you think will improve your life, will will better your life, not just something that will lead to a job. So I was like, well, I'm very anxious a majority of the time. And I think it only makes sense for me then to go and look at something that I struggle to do at the minute, which is speaking to people, socializing, you know, and it was also being really aware of the fact that I knew the the real, not the real me, but the best ver- the best version of me, like is a good communicator, is someone that likes to connect and be social. So I went and done my degree in masters in communication and psychology, and then went to, I qualified then in cognitive behavioral therapy and stress management. Yeah. Uh, which is what really spurred me on and you know got me into mentoring initially i actually still have a full-time job from monday to friday mentoring um for a great company called people first um and it was sort of you know it's a very long answer to this question darren but so uh, I, I was i was just thinking there was a few things that sort of struck with me um especially my journey through secondary yeah. school i I sort of resonated with a lot you were saying there because mm-hmm. I did a podcast with a guy, Gary, recently, um, and he basically stripped me apart. And some of my struggles came from sec- or primary school into secondary school. Mm-hmm. And that was that I never really fit in anywhere. You know, I got on with everyone, but I never really fit in. I was never really academically smart. I was never really skilled at a sport. Where, mm-hmm. where I'd, so I couldn't just slot in and use that and utilize that to try and make friends. So like you were saying about being in a group of people where you're looking at them going, why, why am I not like that? I had that same experience through secondary school where I'm like, why, why couldn't I be more like this person? And in the uh, podcast with Gary, I was telling him that one of my struggles and one of the contributors to my anxiety um, was that I was always trying to be someone that I wasn't. So I was ultimately denying myself of the person that I was because I knew what was inside me, but I kept denying it because I was trying to be someone that I wasn't to try and fit into these groups and circles of people. So this went on and on and on. And then obviously when I went away to university, I was in a completely different world where I was able to try and recreate myself. So that's exactly what I did. Now in doing that, I recreated myself where everyone wanted a piece of going out with me or socializing with me because I'd created this persona that now I had to live up to. Mm -hmm. And that became exhausting because that also wasn't who I was. So I had came from a scenario where I wasn't me to another scenario where I I recreated a version of myself that still wasn't me. So I was still completely lost on my own personal journey. And uh, it's, it's probably only been over the last five years, I would say that I've really just came into myself and just let the me that was inside me really flourish. 
and just just be present again. Um, but I could completely relate to what you were saying about looking at other people at that age where you're looking up to your peers, you're you're trying to fit in and going, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't fit in here. I'm I'm not yeah. there's no connect, like there's no real connection, or I'm I don't act like these people, or I'll pretend to act like these people, but it's not me. Yeah. At that at that stage of our life, so there's the developmental theory, which is a psychological theory, and that at Throughout the different stages of our life, we ask different existential questions. Mm-hmm. So when we're in our teenage years, the question that we're really subconsciously asking ourselves is, can I, can I make it in the world? So we, a lot of our behavior at that time of our life is driven around being accepted by our peers. So as you say, and it is such a trend, you know, I work with so many clients that have the same issue, you know, they had to, they felt they had to be someone else to fit in because we're built for survival, as you know, darn. Yeah. So what better way to, what better way to survive than to be part of a larger tribe, which is, which is our, which is our peers, which is our friends. So, you know, it is that conflicting behavioral motivation that like comes into play there. And like, I just, when, when we have these conversations, types of conversations, I just wish this was taught in school. I know. Primary school. Like, it's, it's, on a very palatable level that people can digest and think, well, I should just be, you know, I should just like listen to myself and behave in a way that represents who I truly am. But um, the recovery position and, you know, you're taught that in school, you're taught those basics, but they're, they're all external physical things that you can see with your eyes whereas the mental health side of stuff is stuff that goes on inside you as a human being which yeah. is equally as important because mm-hmm. it's it's life-changing in a sense mm-hmm. that what the mechanisms that go on inside your head um and and some of those things that you you can't explain emotions in particular for younger people is one of the things that they can't explain do you know what i mean because mm-hmm. they're only starting to um discover themselves on their journeys and yeah. it's, it's really weird especially when you're going through that adolescent stage where you're hitting <laughs> puberty and um yeah all these emotions are coming running and you, you don't know what what they are and you don't know why they're, they're coming, coming thick and fast at you so i think i think you're right in a sense that it, it needs to be implemented in schools from an early yeah. age so that we can tell our young people that it's completely natural for you to feel emotions and it's completely natural for us to talk about these emotions yeah that like have you ever heard of the book the body keeps the score i haven't heard of it no so it's essentially like, and it, it was a theme through like going through my education, you know, learning about how, how the, well, when we say it out loud, it makes complete sense. The, the brain is our CEO. The brain is the director of the rest of the body. So if we think something, it is communicated down through our central nervous system, be that good, bad, or indifferent. And it represents itself through our our body so anxious negative per quality thoughts if they're prolonged over long periods of time represent itself in anxiety stress and depression so it's just simply like even that small communication piece like why are we all not made fully aware of that at a very young age like 
as a positive belief system that you know if you think positively i know there are there is a push on it at the minute and i do i accept that and i'm grateful for it but it's like i feel if i'd have been equipped at a young age with really positive beliefs surrounding mental health like you would have a level of emotional regulation you'd be able to regulate as you say your emotions when you're at that puberty age and your emotions are running wild and you know you're literally left with a, an internal guessing game yeah like, that's it you know what's happening here why do i feel like this and that's you know as we've both shared like how we both felt at that age and like uh, i went through quite a lot of therapy then in my teenage years and to be honest it's like traditional therapy frustrated me in some ways because I just feel looking back, it didn't really, it wasn't really presented to me or delivered in a way that was really palatable for me and that I could use like sustainably. Like I believe everyone should have a mental health toolbox that they carry around hypothetically with them and use on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. You know, exercise, journaling, meditation, a connection, and the importance of connection with like the people that you love and then people that are on the same wavelength as yourself like yourself and yourself yeah you know how important is that 100 you know and it's like just the education piece around that it's like it's you know if we knew how important it was and like if we knew then what we what we know now and what we will continue to learn and grow and develop through increasing our knowledge of how the brain works it's like it's just a never-ending <laughs> it's a never-ending cycle of highs and lows that's it exactly so car i just want to find out a bit more about your transition then from secondary school moving into um university so yeah. obviously you, you picked a degree at university because communication was one of the things that you wanted to explore and improve in a sense because you knew that it was something that you wanted to use moving on in your life because mm-hmm. uh, you you enjoyed communicating with people effectively yeah. um but maybe it was something that you just needed to work on at yep. that point in time but mm-hmm. also then the the psychology side of stuff um was that was that a decision made because you wanted to try and explore some of the issues that you were having to see if there was answers to them 100% it was my, uh, it was my, I, w- I want to say weird, but my unique way of trying to explore, like, why is my brain working in this way? And why do I not understand what is going on inside? So it was, I'll say when I, when I first, when I first chose my degree course, it was primarily based around wanting to communicate better, <clears throat> excuse me, wanting to communicate better and wanting to have confidence in myself and it was just a course that I felt would like allow me to look at like a the non-verbal and verbal aspects of communication and it ended up being a very interesting journey because it led me into behavioral psychology which is something I'm very much interested in today and it was what I done it was what I focused on with my masters and like it just opened up a can of worms for me and that like i realized that 
you know, first and foremost, what we say internally and externally has a massive effect on our outcomes in life. Yeah. You know, and it's not that we need to overthink that, but it's just that we need to maybe have principles or have an approach when it comes to our communication. Yeah. Uh, Nonverbal cues as well is massive, you know, and in my current line of work, it's, it's essential that I'm able to, to pick up on nonverbal cues. So like a big one would be mirroring, which would be a common one. If two people are in the same room and they view themselves as peers or they view themselves, they respect one another, one another, like you may notice that they'll mirror each other's body language. For example, you'll see like, you know, two perceived alpha males maybe in the same room at one time and they both decide to go like this. Yes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And if someone's unsure, with regards oh. to like if someone's unsure, they one of the telltale signs in that, if someone's unsure or confident or un, underconfident in what's being said, they may s- scratch behind the back of their neck. You know, and it's small wee things like that that they aren't definitive. It doesn't equal this person is unsure. They might just have a scratch on the back of their neck. Yeah. But it's those it's those like when you're adding up the verbal plus the nonverbal cues and you can make sort of assumptions as such as to how they're feeling. Like it can be so effective in, you know, tailoring your own communication and like in day to day life, you know, power poses. Yeah. Um like you hear of people a uh, in the morning, you know, standing in the mirror and puffing their chest out to feel that sense of power, you know, and some people would look at that darn and think that's ridiculous. What's he or she doing, you know, but things like that are, they, it's sending a physiological message to your body that, and your brain that you're ready for the day. You're ready yeah. to take on whatever's coming at you and you're confident, you know, one thing I would always say to my clients is the only time you should have your head below 90 degrees looking downward is when you're tying your shoelaces. Yeah. Or looking at your children. If you have any, of you course. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or picking someone back up off the ground in life, physically or hypothetically. Like your head should always be up and your eyes should always be looking outward. And I can remember a time in my life, Darren, that especially when I first actually went to uni, that like I'd have walked down a corridor and my eyes would have been directed on the floor I'd have been I knew what every single part of the carpet in the University of Ulster looked like you know and I know the feeling I um I probably went through most of my the start of my uni living two separate lives in the sense that during the day I was quite reserved quite shy um still would have spoke to people but they would have had to probably have made an active effort with me and when I got a couple of drinks in me and got that confidence up, I transformed into a completely different person. Um, it was almost like the day, Darren, and the night, Darren. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's it, exactly. But it was the same. It was sort of going through uni. I was, I don't know, I just felt like, what am I doing in Queens? You know, I, I was a bit of a late developer at, at school with education, um, which rolled into secondary school. So getting into to Queens was a big, big thing because there was a lot riding on me succeeding in a sense, the pressures that were on me because it, it's a, it's a well-known school throughout the world, Queens. Um, 
you do very well to get into it or that's what you're perceived perceived to believe um and yeah it didn't it went it went wrong for me because i just i was trying to live up to this expectation that just wasn't achievable um and i just wasn't at that time in my life i just wasn't ready i wasn't yeah. mature enough i wasn't making the right decisions um and that was probably in the back of my mind i was going I don't want to be here. This is wrong. This isn't the right decision. This isn't for me. I don't, it doesn't feel right. Um, and it's taken me a, a long time in order to try and digest all those parts of my life and go, right, okay. But the one thing I'll take away from that experience at university is the learn, the learning part, which maybe isn't the learning of the course that I was doing, but the learning, the life learning that has lasted now that I've taken away and I've taken real value for, from because um, it's been really important in my development. Yeah. And without going through those probably hard times and, and challenges and all the rest of it, I wouldn't be the same person that I am sitting in front of you here today. Yeah. I, I scraped through my... I scraped through my undergraduate degree. Yeah. And that was for a number of factors. One of them was my anxiety and depression followed me right through. You know, a, my undergraduate degree, I think I got, I was, I was going for a first right up until my dissertation. And then the SH1T hit the fan and my anxiety was sky high. I didn't want to come out of the house. Motivation was low and ended up flumping it at the last hurdle. I think I, ended, I got a 2-2, which, you know, is great. It's still a pass, respectable pass, but for me, I knew I was capable of more. Yeah. Uh, so my way of looking at that bachelor's degree is that if I hadn't got that 2-2, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have used that pain as a driver to go and do my master's. Of course. You know, and when I look at if I'd have got the first or the two one even, I wouldn't have went and done it. And the masters was genuinely in terms of my education to this point, it was the most valuable thing I've I've ever done in terms of my education. Now a caveat that was saying that life itself has been a better school than university. Of course. Um, it's like as you say, it's like you can choose to take whatever you want from your experiences. You literally have a choice. You can look at the negative and the things that you didn't do right, quote unquote. Yeah. Or you can look at it. You can look at life as a as this big a puzzle that we both get to solve. You know, oh, what did I not do there? That was ideal. How can I use that for the future as a as a gem, as something to adapt in the future or something to avoid yes you know it's 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 like it's all about that perspective as as you rightly you have a strong perspective on that and that's good you know and i would encourage anyone you know uh to if they ever are feeling like going on a journey similar to myself and yourself it's like don't be afraid to look inside and connect those dots yeah that's uh, it. when you do it you very much realize that like you followed a trajectory that has put you on the path that you're on and you can choose, like if you view, view your life as a book, you know, how are you going to write the next few chapters? Where are you going to, where would you like to go? And it's, it's exciting when you look at it from that perspective. 
No, that's it. Exactly. So moving on slightly from your experience at university and then going in to do your master's, did you go through any challenging times through that period? Um, and, you know, talk me through them. Yes. So uh, the master's was really where I decided, you know, number one, I'm going to take control of my own mental health. And number two, I'm going to, uh, I, I love the art of communication and, and psychology. I love the research side of it. I'm a bit of a geek in that way. And uh, as part of my, as part of my research, as part of my thesis, I, I traveled over to Kenya and um, to essentially analyze in Kenya, the labor, the labor rate is ridiculously low. Um, and the study was basically why Where's the motivation in working for next to nothing? The amount of money that they get paid hardly would do them for a day, what they get paid in a month. So it was studying where is the motivation coming from? And that's really where like I wasn't even going down the rabbit hole. I was right. I was <laughs> I was I was in the rabbit hole. And uh yeah, so the challenging thing that would have that would have occurred throughout that time was I myself and my partner um find out we were expecting a child. Brilliant. So uh, it was a little kinder surprise at the time. Um daunting, you know, we both had plans to travel, we both had plans to essentially find ourselves for want of a better term. And that was like God or Buddha or whatever there is, you know, basically handing us a different set of cards and saying, you know, here you go. Yeah. Um, this is what's happening now. So I had to put on my big boy pants very quickly. Um, and at that time, after just directly after I had the math, got the masters, um, I essentially said, you know, I want to go further down this mental health, psychology and communication route. I actually, my initial, my initial vision and dream was to go into, to lecture communication. Um, but at that stage, when I found out I was having, I was, you know, uh, expecting, a ch we were expecting a child. It was like, just get a job, cure. Yeah. You know, and I went and got a job relatively good on paper, um, as a, as a commercial manager and worked in that for a year and a half, uh, but it was a fantastic life lesson in that it reinforced to me, like, you need to do something that you love. You need to do something that you're passionate about. You know, it was relatively well paid. It uh, was good on paper, but it wasn't who I, it wasn't something that I enjoyed necessarily. And yeah. The stresses of that job, the stresses of having a new child, the stresses of me and my partner moving into a new house, you know, they were all new stresses. Mm -hmm. So I was in a position, a, a precarious position that I hadn't got the opportunity to find myself. And I was now in a position where I had to mature quite quickly. Yes. And hadn't really developed the coping mechanisms and the coping skills to really effectively deal with stress and anxiety. 
and then there was quite a bit more lumped on so for me it was you know what do you do Kiara? you you drink a few bottles of wine on a friday night with with uh, your partner and you use that as a coping mechanism it's it's funny you say this because it's the exact same thing that happened to me with Zachary was I was working in hospitality in a bar. That's where me and Chloe met my partner. And, um, you know, working in bars are fast paced. You're working throughout the week. It's late nights. There's no real structure. You know, your days are wasted. And um, obviously it was very quick into the relationship. I think it was four months. There was no waiting about me and Chloe, but it was about four months. And um, we found out that Chloe was pregnant and, um, yeah, my initial reaction was like, I didn't expect this. I, I definitely wasn't expecting this. So for, like you were saying, life just rapidly changed. I think I just got promoted to manager in shenanigans, the place I was working at the time, nightclub manager. So like you were saying, there was a lot of responsibility being lumped on to me at once. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that was because I had been so consumed in me, in a sense, so consumed in the person that I was trying to be for everyone else that quickly changed because now I was going, okay, someone is going to be depending on me. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a sense, that was the start of my journey for change, but it it wasn't the overall, you know, I've, I've changed overnight because it was a process. It was a period of time that took for me to try and discover elements of who I was and who I was going to be and, you know, things like that. So like you were saying, it's very similar journeys mm-hmm. because I had so much planned in my head, you know, initially before me and Chloe started to go out with each other, I was due to go to Australia. I was due to travel the world. I was due to do everything that on paper looks fantastic for someone of that age, because yeah. that's where you go out and you discover yourself. I'd, I'd loads of friends who had went out previous to me or who had literally just went out. Um, and I had so many plans uh, to like go out and meet them there. And one of my friends, Lloyd, um, he went over there and he said it was life changing. Do you know the experience that he had? Mm-hmm. But look, my like you were saying, my cards were dealt in a different manner. And uh, I wouldn't change it now for the world because it's brought me on a completely different journey. Um, and who knows what would have happened if I had went out traveling. It just maybe wasn't right for me yeah. um, at that moment in time. But I want to hand back over to you then just that process. Um, I just felt the connection there. So thought I would share. Um, so then obviously when your your young one was was born, how, how did that all come about with all everything that was going on in your life? Yeah, so that was really like the stage of my life where I had to... <clears throat> very quickly grow up, very quickly mature and recognize that there were certain things that didn't work for me. So when the stress was initially dumped on, I would say for a six, a six month period, I didn't deal with stress very well. So to be completely honest, it was, it was, it was alcohol at the weekends and, you know, a repressing my emotions and everything that I had learned not to do, ironically. Yeah. Um, so it was really like a, a journey at that stage, a new journey beginning that I really had to find what worked for me, you know, and that was really the, the you know, the stage where I had to look within and say, right, well, alcohol is not going to work. So I had to go. 
um, and I, I did. I, I stopped drinking um, at that time, um, and the job's not working for me. I, want, I need to do something that I love and that I enjoy. So I took a very considerable pay cut to go into mentoring initially. Um, very, very considerable. <laughs> and it was like, at the time, it was like absolutely every, everyone was telling me, what are you doing? You're giving up a great job to go to a job that is just above minimum wage. Yeah. You know? And it just in my heart, I felt like I had to look at all of the areas of my life, see what wasn't working for me. And myself and my partner had the conversation and we sort of just went about trying to like take the pieces out that didn't work and put pieces in that we thought might. So for me, it was mentoring. For me, it was working with individuals that uh, were ironically going through a similar process to what I had went through, you know, um, I'm working with them and uh, looking at the barriers, the perceived barriers that they had in their life. Um, and that's when I initially, when I first got into mentoring, it was through Southwest College in Dungannon. Um, and I worked there for a few years. And I, at that stage, started doing my qualifications, my added qualifications in, in cognitive behavioral therapy and stress management. Um, and that was really where I decided like at that stage, it was like, yeah, this is something that like, I really love and enjoy doing. Um, but at times I felt there and at times I still do feel that there's red tape there, you know, within that, within the confines of the public sector and, you know, contract contractual work essentially. And it's like, I just have had and have this vision for working with individuals on their mental health which is digestible and sustainable you know a as a country i feel we are we are absolutely fantastic in some areas i think you know within our families and within our friends we're one of the most loyal bunches we are absolutely there for each other yeah you know, in the bad times and the good times. But when it comes to ourselves, I think a lot of the time we have a lot, we leave a lot to be desired compared to say California, you know, like the West coast of America is where people look to when they look for like progression and in, in how people think and act and even technology. Yeah. So, um, in America, people, talk about and engage in therapy as if it's personal development to like, let's be honest over here. If you're going to, if you're going to CBT or you're going to counseling, or if you're going to any sort of anything mental health related for yourself, it's like the first question someone asks you is like, what's wrong? You know, yeah. what's wrong? You know, and it's that, it's that ideology of like, you know, we do not need to wait until we have drove to the side of the cliff and decided to hypothetically jump off. It's like, you know, this should be something that we are working on all the time. And like, it's all the time in the background. It's like having small habits, like being honest and aware with yourself, small things like that. 
But do you know what I think would be really beneficial? And you touched on earlier about, you know, bringing in earlier education, so the likes of primary schools, secondary schools, but it's equipping the likes of parents, aunts, uncle, grandparents with the skills to identify particular issues in younger people um, and older people. But instead of the, the way that we're built in this, to talk about things, so it's like, uh, you'll be fine. Um, uh, sure, this this will pass. You know what I mean? It's it's only a thing that will last for a week or two weeks. They're the wrong ways to go about it because then we start to doubt ourselves even more mm-hmm. by them telling us you will be grand when really you're not grand because you've all these emotions and you have all these unexplained things. That's mm-hmm. that's the wrong way to approach it. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's it's maybe going okay, you know. Do you want to talk about it or, you know, I'm here to listen or um, it's it's okay to like not feel normal. Do you know what it, it, it is? Okay. There's, there's days I still don't feel normal, but I'm at a level of emotional awareness now where I go, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to use my toolkit like you had mentioned yeah. because that helps mm-hmm. um, because we all have mental health and we, it, it's not like it, we have a quick fix where it goes away overnight. That, it's, that's not how it works. It's about utilizing the brain to go, I've identified that this, you know, I'm feeling a bit anxious today, but I'm going to use this anxiety to my benefit. Mm-hmm. Because studies have actually shown that anxiety and excitement are two very similar things. Yeah. But it's just how the brain tells, <clears throat> differentiates the two things. Do you know excitement? You with excitement, it's like you know going to the top of a roller coaster. Roller coaster that and that feeling of excitement. But at that same time, in a situation where you you can't explain it, it's the exact same feeling. But because your brain can't explain it, because you're not at the top of that roller coaster going down, knowing what you're, what's coming next, then it's telling you, no, this isn't good. No, that that this dev this doesn't feel good, Darren. Definitely not. So so that's it. Do you know? And people need to understand out there. Anyone listening, anyone who is struggling with their their own issues or challenges at this moment in time, that it is perfectly normal not to feel normal. It is perfectly normal. Emotional resilience, like spot on. It's like when you're when you're talking about. I would often d- describe that exact analogy in terms of excitement and anxiety. A like you don't jump out of a out of a you don't do a skydive to feel content and calm. No, you know, a you do it to have that sense of adrenaline, that sense of excitement, and like it's so close. Your body's telling you, whoa, but that's not in control yet. Yeah, yeah. Not in control here, and like it's the exact same as like you look at like a a sport like CrossFit, like real high intensity functional movement, like the state that you voluntarily put yourself into is a state that you know produces a lot of those same chemicals: adrenaline, cortisol. Like your body is in that fight or flight mode. But the result of it is you're you're what you're doing is you're provoking that response, but you're also alleviating it. You're also getting it out. So you're releasing that tension. Whereas a lot of us, when we have that stress response, when we have that fight, flight, or freeze response, where we're not repressing it. So it's like a mm-hmm. kettle that has no that has no hole at the top to let the steam out. Yeah. 
you know, and it's about having that, as you say, that emotional awareness and then that knowledge that, okay, you know, tech right now, for instance, you know, we're going through a pandemic. So like, if you're having a bad day, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Like this is completely understandable. However, the one way I would caveat that is you should, I encourage you to take action on it. Like I encourage you to move forward out of that, recognize what your body's telling you and put something into place to alleviate that symptom. There was something that I seen, I think it was on Instagram. I was browsing through Instagram today and someone had posted, um, I think it was one of the mental health accounts that I follow. Um, and they had posted this little picture with four small diagrams in it. So it was just the water completely still. It was half a wave and it was a full big wave. And then the water was calm again. And basically what it said was, um, there will be calm waters again. And what that was ultimately saying in that picture and what I took from it is sometimes in life when we're on the wave or in the middle of the wave, we, we don't feel as though there's ever going to be an exit. It, it, it consumes us to the point where we think there's going to be no end to it, mm -hmm. but there is. And, and the more you experience life and the more you go through things is you will, you will understand that, yes, it's difficult at that moment in time, but that will subside. And it's how you take control of that moment as well, because if you let, if you um, basically let whatever is happening to you increase um, and become worse, then of course you're going to be in that situation for longer. But if you sort of try to identify it um, and try to understand it, then the, the, hopefully the quicker that you move to those calmer waters. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's been like us on our journeys is I'm sure there was points in your life, points in my life where we were going, this is never going to end you know that there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel but there was there was in a sense that um we probably went the long way about it but we got there we got there and now we can look back on it and go okay it was a learning experience yeah. look at what i've taken away from it look at what i can now pass on to other people in your um regard to getting your degree fair enough you weren't exactly happy because you knew you could have done better but you pushed yourself you went hold on a second i know inside me i can go higher and higher and higher i have that ability so you went and got your masters then you got into a job and you went yeah it's, it's a good wage i've been in the exact same situation where i've been in a, a good job paying good money and everyone around me says stay in it darren stay in it and i'm going it makes me miserable it makes me so unhappy so i went self-employed and i went from maybe just earning under 30 grand when I was in my mid twenties to earning, I think I was lucky if I cleared 11,000 pound self-employed for that full year. Yeah. But do you know, do you want to know something? There was points in that time where I was happy. I was doing what it was that I was wanting to do, but there was difficulties that came with that also because I was still on that journey of discovery and there were some things that I just couldn't explain just yet. Um, but that was a journey that has now progressed into something that if I didn't go out on my own and didn't start my own business, then I would never have got to the point I'm at today and um, started a new business off the back of it with a, a partner who basically we now thrive off each other, the ideas, the, some of the stuff that we offer. Um, and 
Yeah, I suppose that was just a long way about me uh, taking that off kilter slightly. But <clears throat> I suppose then just to just to talk you through the structuring process, obviously you had mentioned to me you went out traveling. Um, obviously, you find out that you were going to have your wee girl um, and that, sorry, your partner was going to have because it would be a bit strange if you were having a baby. Um, <clears throat> and then everything was thrown at you. You had to sort of cope with things and deal with things. Um, and then... I suppose what we get caught in is this catch 22 where we're working a nine to five. So like you were saying, everyone around you was alarm bells were ringing. They were saying, Kahar, do not go for this. Don't do this. But inside you, you knew it was the right decision. Maybe for people at that moment in time, they couldn't understand because they're motivated by that money element. Whereas you went, I'm motivated by me and what I want to be doing with my life and what makes a positive impact on me as an individual. So there was something that I was thinking about tonight when I was out in the van um, Chloe and the boys were requesting a McDonald's. So I had to drive over to Riverside Retail Park and I was parked in the queue to get into the McDonald's and I was going, it's Friday night. Everyone's rushing to get to McDonald's. They're rushing to squeeze as much as they possibly can into the weekend. But why don't we reframe that? Do you know, we, we, we live a week, right? Living up to the weekend to live for the weekend and then go, it's Monday again. If we re reframe that, and the way I've been exploring it is I seek opportunity in every day. So I forget if it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because it's just a day to me. And the way I look at it is it's it's my day. It's not Monday. It's not Tuesday. It's my day because I've got up this morning and I'm going to make the most of this day because I want to. I want to progress me as a person. Um, I want to try and experience as much as possible. I don't want to lose out on any time. It, it, so that excites me now, but there's still so many people I see out there that are so consumed in this, get through the week, live for the weekend. Yeah. And I, don't, don't get me wrong, I did that for years and years and years, and I was miserable. I was so, so miserable. And I suppose what I'm trying to get to here is people out there need to realize that if there's something that they're passionate about, there's something that they want to do, yes, it's going to be difficult to go you know, you're not going to start a business overnight and it's going to be successful. It's going to be a number of steps that you have to put in place. But if you don't take a leap of faith as such to better you as a person and better your life, then you're, you're going to run the risk of getting caught in this nine to five, always just living for the weekend yeah. and contributing to factors that will play on the likes of your mental health and things like that. So like, I liken it to that process that we've both been in as the hamster wheel. Yeah. You know, regardless of how fast you run, you seem to be stuck in the same place. You know, uh, you're... So as exactly as you said, that time is literally, you know, the, the structure of a week is literally just a construct. Like, Monday represents the exact same 24 hours as Friday does. Exactly, yeah. So... Uh, I would work with this. It's funny you say this because I actually had a conversation with her with someone regarding this. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my purpose is. You know, and for anyone that's listening, like I think it's quite prevalent because like people, a lot of people don't know. You know, what is their why? You know, start with your why. If you don't know what you want to do, that's good. You know, that's okay. Your purpose should be you. As in, if you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know what your ultimate purpose is, you know, make your purpose you. 
Yeah. As in having that positive selfishness that you work on yourself, strive to be the best version of yourself. And then ultimately what happened, what will happen then is that something will present itself. You know, you will also, a great byproduct of it is that you will also be of the best service to the people around you that love you, you know, and you're in a position then that your thinking is of a very high quality. Your behavior is of a high quality. Your, how you feel, even if you feel bad, you can work through that. You have that capacity, that emotional capacity to just really be in tune with yourself and others, you know, and it's like, it's really like, it is, it's really something like, I think uh, for me, the purpose was there from about the age of 24 but it wasn't until last year 2020 that i had the self-esteem and the confidence to go for it yeah so yeah go ahead it's not too dissimilar from me and my journey um like i have probably within maybe only the past year maybe two years um i've really sort of focused on me, set my sights on what I want from life and what I want from the future. Um, and for so long, I'd caged that. I'd caged because at the end of the day, boiling back down to that transition between primary school, secondary school, moving into university, I was always so consumed in what other people thought of me and my actions. And if I made a decision, how they would react, how they would respond. Even like you were saying, in relation to... Uh, taking that pay cut and your family members going, this is a bad idea, but you made a decision for you because it was good for you. And yes, you still respected your family's opinion, but you went, I just, I, I love you, but I just don't agree exactly what you're saying because you live a different life. I know you want to protect me and that's what families want to do. There, there's times where family members, you know, have said to me, uh, I don't think that would work or I don't think that's a good idea. And I've went out and I've tried it and it's worked. And then they've went, they've respected me because I've taken the gumption to go, fair enough, I've listened to you, I've taken on board, I've weighed up all my options and I still did it because I wanted to do it. And from making that decision, you build respect between those people because they're going, fair enough, you know, I respect you because I told you something. Yeah. And I think then they go, I'll hold my hands up here. I, I was wrong in what I suggested or said to you. And then you build that dialogue with people where you start to challenge them, you start to question them. And then they, you know what I mean? That That's the way life should be. Um, is, you know, you do challenge, you have to challenge out there because I know people have your best interests at heart, but sometimes the advice that they give you isn't the right advice. And it needs to be you taking a weighted decision for yourself and making that decision based on what outcome you believe is the right one. Yeah. For me, it was very much a decision of, right, how sustainable is my current life? How sustainable is this career? Can I see myself doing this in 10 years? Can I see myself being the father that I want to be, working seven days a week and traveling to England four times a week? No, what's important to me is, and this is what I said to my family, what's important to me is all of you guys. And yes, this is a good job on paper, but I can't, I can't see this working long term. 
So you're yeah. just going to have to trust me on this one. I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to go with what I love to do. I'm going to go with what I'm passionate about. And yeah, it's funny when, when the moment comes around that like, especially my father, like, you know, he sort of like acknowledges. He's like, you've done well with that son. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was, you know, looking where we are now, like, like that was a good move. You know, and at the time, he Aye. was rating me. He was like, what are you doing? Like Dead against it. Yeah. And but it's, just, but it's it, what, what you've done is you've shown your maturity and you've pursued something that, that is right for you. Mm-hmm. And what he is doing is he is showing you the respect that you now deserve because you've, you've went, okay, I value you, I love you. But at the end of the day, this is just what we're institutionalized to think is we need to be in these high paid jobs. We need to get a mortgage. We need to do everything by the book. We don't need to do everything by the book. I'm a prime example of it. You're a prime example of it. I did everything in reverse. I took the long road throughout the majority of my life. Everyone questioned, Darren, why didn't you take the shortcut? I was like, because that's not the way I want to live my life. I want to take the long road and learn um, and learn from these experiences because I'll take value from that. And I would say if I had a state in a structured life, I could be on, you know, 50, 60 grand a year in a house, nice car. Would I be happy? Probably not. Yeah. And that's, that's literally, that's literally where it is, where it lies. It lies within yourself. It lies within your ability to add value to the people around you that you love. You know, if you look at the crux, if you look at initially, both of our situations, when people were telling us, you know, you shouldn't do that. Psychologically, as, as we mentioned earlier, we're built for survival. So that we, we oftentimes we behave in a way and we do things because it's known. It's what's comfortable. You know, from my parents' perspective, maybe from a few other members of my family's perspective at that time, it was very much like, that's the unknown. That's not safe. You know, but if you look at, you know, you see, you always hear the expression, you should always push yourself out of your comfort zone. Like we should not fear adversity. No, we should not fear anxiety. We should not fear, you know, anything that comes our way, which may be perceived as negative because I can say this in a really fancy psychological way, but I'm just going to say it takes shit to grow sometimes. See, it's it's funny. I just got a book that arrived there today, just as you were saying about adversity, but it's the obstacle is in the way. Um, and it, yeah, it's the ancient art of turning adversity into advantage. Yeah. So these are things that I am exploring and they're on my radar now because I think, yes, I think we all need to experience difficult times. We all need to experience things in life that aren't easy because they shape you as an individual, as a human being. Um, but what we certainly need to push forward for, especially within this country, is um, access at an earlier age for education around mental health. That's that's probably one of the takeaway points from our whole conversation, even on Monday. Um, but also, uh, as human beings, to really try to find and finally tune some of the emotions that we have inside ourselves and not be afraid to, you know, question them, not be afraid to, um, to talk about them. And um, especially for males as well. Um, I know 
there's a there's a big stigma around mental health because men have always felt it difficult to talk um and to show emotion but like we're, we're all just human being and we we all need to understand that it's completely natural to to cry it's completely natural to feel sad it's completely natural to feel all those emotions that you know it, it, you don't need to suppress them all the time um and i suppose working on yourself and your own mental well-being is a key point because yes you could obviously drink a bottle of wine or, or drink a bottle of gin or have a couple of beers, but you're suppressing something for a short period of time. And it's not really identifying the issue. And I've been there myself where, you know, I would have resorted to alcohol. If I had a stressful day, I would have resorted to alcohol if something didn't go right. And then it became a bit of a habit where I would always resort to these things because I thought it's going to resolve this. You know, I've had a really... Uh, I'll put a wee beep in there um, in work and um, I'd come home and I'd call to the off license to get a few cans and, and I'd sit there but it, it, you know I woke up the next morning and felt grim and I'm going why did I do that like why have I put now I've just set myself up for another sort of slow start to the day I'm probably going to be disappointed in myself and it's then it's just a cycle you're just and you continue doing this and you continue and you continue battling with yourself going wrong decision again, wrong decision again, tomorrow's going to be different. Do you know what I mean? And the only way that's going to be different is if you, you change the things that aren't helping you. Yeah. It's building that, that sense of resilience, you know, and it's, you know, at the start for anyone, for anyone listening, like, I'm not saying find adversity. I'm saying at the start, if and when adversity comes your way, choose to embrace it mm-hmm. you know as you develop and as you grow you know then maybe it's the time to try cold water therapy which is my morning my my daily routine of chasing adversity you know and it's something that there's different things like chasing challenges in life you know in terms of your career like even opening up saunas that was like for me uh a massive challenge in a positive way you know and it has brought its highs and lows like through the planning process and through everything you know but it's through that initial internal growth that you can then look outward and say well oh now that i've got a little bit of a handle on what's going on inside here i can now look at the other areas of my life i can look at you know my career i can look at all the different areas and it's just such a when you start to view things that way and as you have done it's like it's it is an exciting process like i'll tell you i put up a post there earlier on my on my instagram page my week has been a bit manic and i dropped i downed my mental health toolbox completely the meditation went out the window the journaling went out the window the exercise went out the window, you know, and I got off with it for a few days, but I got a necessary, a necessary kick up the backside today when I woke yeah. up feeling fatigued, a little bit sharp, a little bit groggy, you know, my thinking yeah. was the same quality. And it's just that friendly reminder that I needed, like, come on, get her back on the horse, son. It's funny you say that because I, I've been working on a couple of websites 
the last couple of weeks and coming out of Christmas, I was doing so well in, you know, having a structured switch off time in the evenings, put my phone outside the room, charging it outside. So all that, I was getting up early in the morning, you know, trying to get up for six, do my journal and spend an hour to myself, integrate a tiny bit of meditation. I still, I'm not at that point yet, but I've, I'm still trying to factor it in here and there. And, um, but the journaling was the big thing for me. And I was I was going through it like I was loving it. I was getting really into it. So then, like you were saying, over the past week, I've had a couple of big projects on where I'm sitting at the computer for really lengthy periods of time. Like you were saying, I'm starting to get a wee bit agitated, a wee bit uh, edgy as such. Um, I'm not out exercising. Um, and then I'm finding myself, I haven't been able to get up at that early point in the morning yeah. because it's a, it, 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 yeah. it, it, it's a contributing factor where, because I've disrupted the evening, it's yeah. now disrupted in the morning. The body's going, hang on a second. Then I look at my journal and I, no word of a lie. I looked at my journal and I went to write in it and I went, I've missed three days. I've missed three full days of journaling. And I didn't even realize, but I was so disappointed in myself. And even my partner, Chloe, she was like, what, what's up with you? And I was like, I haven't done my journaling. I haven't, like, I was so disappointed in myself because I didn't do my journaling. I didn't give myself the opportunity to have the best day possible because I was so consumed in the websites. Thankfully, those projects have subsided. Things have started to come back to normal. My diary is now full again. I caught up. I was actually honest with my journal. I says, in those days where I am thankful for, I am grateful for one positive thing that happened today. I says, Darren, if you're reading this, <clears throat> today hasn't been the most productive day in the sense of the journal, because I have been consumed in website work. Uh, your good deed for the day. Unfortunately, I ha I'm not able to fill this in because uh, I, I haven't completed a good deed for today. Um, I've been consumed in work. So yeah. at least I'm realizing, at least I'm going, like you were saying, I'm going, okay, let's, let's check back in here again. And let's, let's re-equip re the toolbox. Mm -hmm. So we get back on track. Yeah. Um, but here, we are all human beings. You cannot go through life and every day is going to be, you know, all rosy. Every day is going to be sunshine and, and rabbits bouncing about in the grass because that's just not the way life works. But it's about how you deal with it then. Do you know what I mean? So and I, I think we've both reached that point where, where we know the frustrations that come into play when you've got a good thing going and when that's disrupted. You have to bring yourself back, but it's still a natural process for that to happen because like I'm saying, you just can't expect every day to be perfect. I think it's really, really relieving somewhere along the way. It clicked with me that I will never be perfect. No, you know, it's never, it's, I'm never going to wake up one day and it's going to be like, as you say, <laughs> you know, rainbows and lollipops and everything's just absolutely fine and dandy, but I, I think it's really exciting to wake up every day with a sense of opportunity, a sense of a uh, freeness in me that like, wait there, actually there's 7 billion people in the world. So I'm actually quite insignificant. You know, the internal dialogue that goes on in my head sometimes tells me that Kjahar, what's going on in your life now is the most, you're the most important person in the world, but I need to remind myself, you're not. So you may as well follow whatever path you want to. You may as well follow your purpose. You may as well contribute and live by your values. Because at the end of the day, like 
we only get one shot at this darn that's it exactly um and yeah it's it's one life and we yeah. need to live it the way that we deserve to in a sense um and give ourselves as much opportunity as possible and i love that word opportunity because that's yeah. what i've been waking up every morning and going today is a day full of opportunity and it has been um fair enough i, I had a, a bit of a, a a derailing moment uh last week with the websites but the train's now back on the track again do you know what i mean and i think the the, the beauty is in imperfection that's where the beauty lies it's uh, you, you go on instagram and you see these people that you know even following accounts that we're quite active on that you know are promoting meditation and promoting all these different things that we're exploring or that you actually teach and, and things like that or um you know you talk to your clients about but the thing is that's a false world in itself because it's all you see on the likes of digital technologies on social platforms is the way that people want you to view their business, the, the way that they want you to view their personal profiles, the way, so it, we're not given a real representation of ourselves, but I think like you were saying, the beauty lies in those imperfections. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. The messy hair, the, the rugged beard, the anything, do you know what I mean? The, the lockdown hair. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough. Uh, there's a, a guy I'm friendly with who uh, has just taken up barbering. Really? So obviously all social distance procedures in place but he was able to give me a wee trim trim yeah. down the sides otherwise mine quite would have looked quite there, what is it you're looking quite fresh there i know i know so thank you robbie d big shout out if you're tuning in um but look just to get back on track because i know i've taken up a lot of your time on a friday night um i just wanted to sort of finish on a couple of things um and that is obviously sonus mental wellness what you are doing at the minute with Sonus and what you plan to do for the future. And also, if you wouldn't mind just telling people where they can access the likes of your services and how they get in contact with you. Absolutely, no problem. So just explain Sonus Mental Wellness. You know, as, as I mentioned at the start, uh, um, we're phrasing it, we're, we're packaging it as mental health coaching because I... I view therapy within Northern Ireland as uh, quite traditional. You know, aspects of it are great. Aspects of it are fantastic at serving people with their mental health. But uh, I personally feel that a lot of the techniques and strategies aren't digestible for the wider population. You know, a sonus mental wellness, I want it to be the, the physical. Like if we look at it, you know, from physical standpoint i yeah. want songs to be mental health mental fitness you know a coming to a coach a mental health coach in the same way as you would go to a pt you know that's the vision you know and yeah a we are it's primarily based in stress management which is how we feel regulating how we feel and cognitive behavioral therapy which is how we think and learning the relationship that exists between the two and how it affects how we behave on a daily basis um so you can catch me on sonus wellness on facebook and instagram and i mean www.sonuswellness.com as well um in terms of our plans for the future it's 
the one-to-one -one coaching at the minute is the priority, you know, uh, and it's been quite an overwhelming month in a lot of respects as to like the how how everything has taken off. You know, people have a thirst and a desire to grow and develop in this country, and it's unbelievable to see, and it's really, really like a uh, refreshing to see as well. Um, the growth for Sonus, you know, the vision for it is that we want to we want to put mental health gyms on the street. We want people to feel comfortable walking in to a mental health gym, whatever that looks like. You know, that's the vision. You know, people should be looking and viewing their brain in the same way as they view their biceps or their triceps. Yeah. You know, uh, as it's arguably more important than those two parts of our body. Uh, it's just really disrupting the current view on mental health and continuing to support people like yourself that are doing fantastic work in destigmatizing mental health and really flipping doing a bit of cognitive behavioral therapy on the perception of a population in that we want to view working on our mental health as an innately positive thing as personal development you know as something that is like you can walk down and you can see you know i would love to walk into a pub someday and i hear two 40 year olds talking about how they're working on their mental health i know, you know? yeah like of course. instead of like going up to someone and asking them how are you well what's the crack today and they'll say to you you know one of the popular responses is not too bad you know yeah I, th I think i'm bad but i'm not too bad i know and i suppose it's that generational thing that we we sort of have brought down from generation to generation and it's now a natural response for us to go yeah all right yeah okay and funny that you touch on this because i told you this on monday this story about me and a friend who disconnected for quite some time um and we disconnected for probably reasons that both of us can't explain or describe but we were both going on two separate journeys and i think we were both frustrated at each other for not really understanding why both of us had went off on separate journeys with no explanation so anyway we met up for for a pint and um as as my mate walked through the door great to see you great to see you same he yeah really great to see you how are you keeping and both of us our response was not doing too good actually and that for me was a life-changing moment in the sense that we just broke down a barrier there instantly. Yeah. Plus, plus we basically just explained to each other why there had been that breakdown of communication from us because he was wow. going through his own struggles. I was going through my own struggles. And just from that that passage of speaking and us both going, not, not too good, actually, we then had this dialogue conversation where we then understood each other. We with them and okay, that that now clears that, and and now we have a good, healthy relationship again. Yeah. And that was just from us two talking. Um, but I was I was probably on a on the start of my journey at that point where I was open to talking to anyone about anything because I was getting so much from it because it was it was like this ton of bricks that had been balanced on your shoulders for so long. Have, yeah. have now been chipped away ever so slightly every time you talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage anyone that's listening to this podcast, the, the, the importance of talking to a loved one, to a friend, um, to, to anybody, 
there's so many great services out there. Um, obviously, Sonus as well and what you're doing. Um, Kahar, you're doing a fantastic job. And anyone that is tuning in, please check out all the links that I will put below this podcast. But like I says, we need to start talking about some of those issues and, yeah. and we need to move away. So look, Kahar, I know I have taken up a lot of your time. I've really enjoyed the podcast. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I think we could probably sit here for a couple more hours, but what we'll have to do now is just have more podcasts. That's just going to be it. But this conversation, I think, has been really healthy. Um, I hope people have taken some of the key points away from both Kahar and mine's experiences throughout our journeys um, and I hope we've been open and honest with you as well so thank you very much for tuning in to the Mind Podcast Mental Health in a New Direction and thank you so much Kahar for joining me